Well, uh, I'll tell you what, that music was awesome tonight. I was getting nervous. I'd had a quad shot, and then I had a venti after that, back to back. And I was telling Brother Luke, I'm like, I'm still not. And that brother sang, and it all hit me at one time. <laughs> so if I pass out, preacher, just fill in, all right? Uh, it, it's, it's so great uh, to be here uh, tonight with you. And, and as preacher mentioned, of course, I know the church knows over the last few years, uh, you are sending church to the field of Sri Lanka. I want to say just a few things. I'll bring up some things in the message tonight. Uh, but first of all, you know, when the whole, the whole, pretty much Nathan's whole life, he's, he's, there's only, there's probably more, but there's only five of his diagnoses uh, that are known in the world. And so it's kind of, uh, you know, we, there's no pattern, okay? There's no like, this, this is how this is going to go or anything like that. And uh, for the most part of Nathan's life, we've been, we just manage him, right? It's like, you know, just make sure he doesn't like, you know, go out in the street or, you know, eat something crazy and we're fine, you know, just manage him. And this last year, we, the situation with Nathan changed where it went from just kind of being able to manage him and have him anywhere to he's having a lot of problems with his just different parts of his body, which require investigation. It requires testing. It requires procedures and, and, and different things. And so kind of the nature of parenting Nathan went from just having a special needs son and managing him, you know, and, and, and all that to, okay, there's all these things going on and now we're going to have to get into this and go and figure what they are. And so just the whole dynamic of it really changed in just the last, you know, six months. And, uh, and so obviously this caught us totally by surprise in kiss the Lord by surprise, but it caught us, it caught us by surprise and, and so, of course, we came off the field. And I want to say a few things. Firstly, I want to just thank, um, I want to just thank the church. Uh, you know, I, I know that you talk a lot about being ascending church and you want, you, I know this, you desire not just to give, but you desire to be a support. And I, I can just tell you from personal experience that having ascending church like you motivates you to stay as long as you possibly can. Because of the love, because of the investment, because of the prayer, because you're so behind us, it, that's a motivator that says, hey, I don't want, we don't want to go back. I mean, we, we got, you know, church like Southwest backing us and having done all this for us. And so just from a sending church standpoint, you know, we felt loved, we felt cared for, we were, you know, you invested heavily in us. And I just want to thank you, first of all, for all of that. Secondly, I want to thank Pastor Gaddis. And, uh, you know, this morning he preached about, you know, not having people minister unto you, but you minister unto others. And I can say this, Pastor Gaddis, in this whole process, you know, and, and, and it's a difficult thing when you send a missionary and they've not been there a long time and then they're coming off the field. There's a lot of challenges for that, but he really ministered to me. And he ministered to our family and, and cared more about us and our well-being than a lot of the optics. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. I, I, I'm thankful for you, preacher. And, and uh, everything, you know, that you see is exactly what he is behind the scenes in, his, in dealings and in private. Just so gracious uh, with us. And it, it just it means a tremendous amount to me. And then the third thing, obviously, 
when you when you talk about missions because of the cost, because of all the effort, you know, short term time is really not ideal. Right. You think about the amount of deputation. You think about the amount of financial investment. Like we don't want to have, you know, I don't think the idea is we want to have missionaries going on off the field every couple of years. I don't think that's the idea. But while we we want longevity and, and, and I think we need to push for that and pursue that at the same time, the Bible, the New Testament does show us that a lot can be accomplished in a short period of time. And when you read about the journeys of the Apostle Paul, you know, you start looking at the duration of time he was in places. He got quite a bit done in a short period of time. And I do want to tell you this, that while at no point in our heart did we, you know, did we want to come off? We, you know, we could we could be there the rest of our life. And I mean that. Um, I do want to tell you that God did a lot. And uh, my last night there, we, they had a testimony service. And I wish, I wish every one of you could have been there and seen former Muslims that were saved, that are not just, no, not just, didn't just pray a prayer on a corner. Now they're members and they're serving. Amen. Former Hindus, former Buddhists who are now out soul winning and bringing their family members to, to see just within that short period of time, the Lord allowed us to kind of just jump right in. We didn't have like a prep time. We went right in and to see the, the body of souls, the amount of people that were saved and baptized and that are in the church right now. And then the, the men who are training for the ministry, men who surrender to the ministry, men that are training for the ministry that I believe have, have seen some things and been exposed to some things that will be carried with them all their life. And so while, while on my end it was certainly a lot shorter than I would have desired, I, I feel very comfortable and confident in what God did in that period of time. And, and I mean, I could have brought a video and I, I mean, we're not gonna do that. I could have brought a video and just showed you face after face after face of new person in the church saved out of either Buddhism, Catholicism, uh, Islam or Hinduism in the church serving faithful. And some of whom now are in the institutes preparing to be pastors. And so just just want to praise the Lord that even in a short period of time, God did do amazing things. And, and I'll mention this in the message, we were able to hand, hand the Colombo Bible Baptist Church over to a Sri Lankan pastor for the first time uh, um, in its existence, which is the goal, which is the goal, which is the goal of missions. And so while, while in no way would I promote that short term and say, hey, yeah, let's get a guy on deputation for, you know, a year and a half so he can be on. the. I don't I don't think that's good. I don't think you want that. But sometimes it happens and God still does great things through that. And so I just want to thank the church and the, our family is settling in. We're doing we're doing well. I'm thankful. We're, I believe we're right where God wants us to be. And uh, I am thankful that we're in San Diego, you know, multicultural and uh, the opportunity to involve ourselves in missions is, as you preached, I think, last Sunday, they're coming right to San Diego from all over the world. And so have a tremendous opportunity to, to utilize that and to try to reach out around us. And then uh, to, we have missionaries that we have sent out that I get to now be their pastor. And, and so that exposure and experience has been a help, tremendous help to me now to try to be a help to those that are, are sent missionaries uh, that, are, that are currently on the field. So I just wanted to make mention of that. Thank you for all your prayers for our family, my wife. It, it, we're kind of in a setup time where we're trying to get 
the doctor set. We're trying to get, you know, we're in the, it's a, it's going to be a process before we're settled. And so you just got to see the light at the end of the tunnel and know that it's going to be there, but our family's doing well. And we just want you to know, we love you. And we're so grateful and thankful for everything that you did for us. And I'm thrilled to, my daughters will be coming in the fall to be at Heartland and excited to, to, to still call this my second home. And so just, just thank you for all of that. Now, I want to preach a message tonight. If you're able to stand and take your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 20 tonight. Proverbs chapter 20. I want to, I want to preach a message that the Lord gave me. And, and maybe, you know, maybe you might say, you know, Brother David, you think about kind of the journey, you know, what would be one of your major takeaways from it all? And I think it's important that when you analyze or evaluate, you know, your life or what the Lord's done in your life to look at it through the lens of Scripture. Amen. And, and so the Lord gave me this text literally right as we were kind of coming to the closing stages of God ending our time in Sri Lanka. The Lord gave me this passage and I think it'll be a help uh, uh, to us tonight. I know it's been a real help to me. And so I want to preach tonight the Lord's help. Proverbs chapter 20. And look with me at verse 24. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24. The Bible says this. Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? I'm going to read that again. Man's goings are of the Lord. Statement, right? Question. How can a man then understand his own way. I want to preach with the Lord's help on this subject. The glory of our goings. The glory of our goings. Let's pray. Father, bless now the preaching of your word. I need your help. Give me clarity of thought. And and just the things that I know that you've put in my heart from the passage. Help me to articulate. Speak to our hearts tonight. Show us your glory. Show us, as Paul would call it, your manifold wisdom tonight. Bless your word, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In verse 24, the proverb talks about man's goings. The word goings means steps or direction. You can say a man's steps or a man's directions Direction, and it says this, a man's goings are of the Lord. So a man's steps or a man's direction or his goings are of the Lord. And the phrase are of the Lord means literally they are set or determined. So, so a, man's, a man's steps, a man's direction, a man's uh, goings are set or are determined by the Lord. When you say that, I mean, obviously that leads itself to questions. In, in, in what way or in what manner are our steps or our goings or is our direction determined by the Lord? I mean, is it where literally every step that I take is determined by God? I mean, are we some kind of robots where it's like, hey, every choice and every decision and every action and every move that we make is already set and already determined by the Lord. I mean, if you just read your Bible, you know that's not what it is. Because if every step by man was, was determined and set, as in God made you do everything, then man would lose all, self, all accountability. There'd be, no, there'd be no judgment. There'd be no reason to give account because God is the one who made me do everything that I did. 
So obviously that's not, that's not what he's talking about. Proverbs 16.9 says it this way. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. So Proverbs kind of says it, Proverbs 16 kind of says it this way, that there is a, there is a devising or a planning or a, or a directional intent. And then there is kind of the final results. Okay, let me, let me give you another one. Romans 1, Paul says it this way. I think this, is, this really brings clarity to it. Paul says this in Romans 1.10. Speaking to the church at Rome, he says, Making request, if by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. So Paul says it this way. I, I, I'm devising, I'm desiring to come to you. Matter of fact, more than that, he's actually stepping that way. He's heading that way, but he understands that whether he lands there is ultimately not up to him, it's up to God. God, God, God our goings of the Lord are like this. It's not so much that God determines or sets your step, as much as it is God determines or sets what you step into. The circumstances, the location, the direction, and, get it, the consequences of your step. So you can, you can choose, you can say, I'm devising or I'm planning to go this way, and you can even take actions that way. But you don't get to choose when you step, what that looks like when you step, and you don't get to choose what the follow-up is to your steps. Okay, let me, let me give you some examples of what I mean. You don't get to choose the consequences of your goings. Here is Pharaoh. He's devised his way. I will not let the people of Israel go. I, I, I will keep them here. They will build my kingdom. They will build my palace. I don't care what you say, Moses. I don't care what the Lord says. Here is what I'm devising. Here are my steps. They're not going anywhere. But when he chose to make that stand, here's what he had no control over, the consequences of that step. He could not control the the results. He could not control the consequences that were going to come. He could not stop the plagues from coming. He could not stop the lice and the frogs and the locusts and the blood and the darkness and the loss of the firstborn son. So he could devise, he could say, this is the direction I'm going, but he could not control the consequences of it. He couldn't even control what that decision would do to his own heart and hardening his heart which would then put him in a position to experience the judgment of God in a greater way. So, so, so when you step, you, you know, you can, you can make a decision, but here's what you don't get to do. You don't get to determine the consequences. By the way, that's a sobering thought. Because tonight, you, you, may, be, you may be disobeying the Lord. God may be saying, let this thing go. Don't, don't do this anymore. And you may be determining, I'm going to keep this in my life. I'm going to keep this thing hidden in my life. But you don't get a hold. You don't get to control the plagues that are going to come in your life. You don't get to stop the consequences. You can, you can hide and you can keep things secret. But ultimately, you have no control over the consequences that are going to come, which should make us repent before the Lord. So you don't have control of that. We don't have control. Listen of the rewards we step into. 
Abram and Lot and God's blessing them in, in Genesis. And I mean, the, their, their herds are, are growing so much so the land cannot contain them. And so here is Abraham and Lot, you know, he's young and he's proud and he's greedy and, and they're fighting. And Abraham says, hey, there's no need for us to quarrel. There's no need for us to fight. We be brethren. And then Abraham takes the high road and says, hey, you, you, you look out here, you pick wherever you want to go. And Lot, who in, who in deference and respect that any of this happened because of Abraham, should have let Abraham pick. Say, OK, great. I'm going to go to the well-watered plains. I'm going to go. I'm going to devise what's going to bring the best situation for me, which would have left technically Abraham to be in a less good situation. But, you know, when Abraham chose to do that, you know, he, he, he didn't have any control over what God was going to do in response to his humility. And God basically said this. Yeah, Lot's going to go down to the well-watered plains, but he's never going to own them. He's never going to control them. As a matter of fact, he's going to lose everything he possessed in that land as the kings will come and sweep away all of his possessions. But Abraham, not only am I going to move you to a land and bless you in that land, I'm going to make you the possessor of that land, and you're going to be the one to save Lot's life. Abraham just stepped in a way of humility. He had no control of the rewards that he would be given. God was the one who brought them. We have no control of the grace our goings walk into. Think about Abraham in Genesis chapter 20, comes to Gerar, and he knows his wife is beautiful and tells Abimelech, she's my sister. That was a mistake. And And Abimelech takes his wife and is going to marry her. Now, wait a minute. That step by Abraham should have ruined his whole life. That step by Abraham should have stopped everything. But, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Man's goings are of the Lord. And praise God that a part of that is the grace of God. And so that even while he messed up, even while he took a bad step, God intervened in his bad step and God spoke to Abimelech and God moved upon Abimelech to return his wife unto him and to bless him with possessions. So much so that even though Abraham took a bad step, he couldn't even control the fact that God in his grace still brought him back to his will. Now, listen, anybody who has seen anything good of God recognizes that there has been grace along the way. Every one of us have taken steps that we shouldn't have done. We retaliated. We made bad decisions. We, we may have, in fear, made calls or things that we shouldn't have done. We lacked faith and we messed up and we blew it. And our steps should have left us in one direction. But praise God, he intervened and in his grace, he kept us on the right path. The rewards we step into, the grace that we step into. And how about this? The big picture we step into. Isaiah says, Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's saying, you think here, I think here. And, and think about Joseph, when Joseph said to his brothers, but as for you, Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. You follow Joseph's life and you have all these steps. 
And Joseph was taking steps as a prisoner. And Joseph was taking steps as a slave. And he was just doing these things in light of what he saw. But you know what Joseph had no clue about? That while he was taking those steps, the Lord was directing a much bigger picture than he could have ever fathomed and ever could imagine. And how many times in our life do we think we're doing one thing? We think we're, we're making this decision for that reason. We think that this happened because of this. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, wham, we see the big picture of God. And we're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Why is that? Well, that's because a man's goings are of the Lord. You can step, but you don't, get a, you don't get to determine the big picture that those steps are happening within. Which just right off the bat reminds us this. Our life falls under a greater power. See, we live in America, so we live in a world. We live in a society that can create a perception of control. See, when you live in most of the world, you're not disillusioned to that because you see that you really don't have control of a lot of things. But in America, roll up our sleeves and make it happen. We can, we can go out and work a job and build. And so what does that do? It creates almost this false perception that we're in control of our life. We're in control of our destiny. We can fix this and do this. But, but the reality is this, is that our lives fall under a far greater power. And you can step here and you can step there and you can make decisions you want. But ultimately, God is the one who decides the circumstances, the location, the, the outflow and the consequences of all of it. Which should bring some humility to us. Like, I'm not in control. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why would I fear the Lord? Well, for one reason is, I can take steps, but he's in control of everything that flows from it. Amen. And there should be a, a fear of the Lord and a humility in knowing a man's goings are of the Lord. No, we can step and we can plan and we can decide and we can intend to do this or we can intend to do that. But the moment that we go this way or the moment that we go that way, here's the reality. We have no control of what's going to happen. Only the Lord does. So he says that and then he's going to ask a question. And the question that he's going to pose is wrapped around the idea, notice verse 24, about understanding his own way. Understanding his own way. Now, someone might read that and think that he's referring to looking back, you know, like looking back at your life and then understanding what happened. Like looking back, reflection. But that's not what he's talking about. Because actually you can look back at your life oftentimes and through the lens of Scripture, you can often understand a lot of what God's doing. He's not talking about looking back. He's talking about looking forward. He's talking about looking down the road. No, no, get it. He's saying this. So, so if you and I can take a step, we can make a decision, we can put a plan together, we can take a step, but if you and I don't really control even where that step's going to land or what the consequences are going to be or how it's all going to fall out, he says this. How do you intend to, how can a man understand his way. What do you mean? It means this. How can a man look ahead and say, this is how this is going to go? He's saying, saying if, if, if God's the one ultimately doing everything, how can you look ahead and say, this is how this is going to go? It's, it's kind of the point James was making when he talked about those that said in James 4, go to now. 
Ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and, and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. He's, he's saying, he, he's talking about looking ahead at your life, at a life that you can plan. and pre- By the way, and we, the book of Proverbs says we should plan and prepare. So I hope you're balanced tonight. There'll be someone, there's always someone who knee jerk on a sermon and be like, oh, I don't need to plan anything. No, that's not what he's talking about. But he's saying this, you, if you really believe that you can make steps and take, make decisions and God is the one ultimately orchestrating it, how can you look ahead and say, this is how this is going to shake out? It's a rhetorical question. You can't. I wrote, wrote this in my Bible when I first read this passage, preacher. I wrote this, life is a mystery. Your future is a mystery. How can a man then understand his way? Well, if you, if you believe a man's goings of the Lord, the answer is, is kind of self-evident. You can't. you can't. You can't know what God has for you for the future. No, you go to Bible college, you plan, you prepare... You can be persuaded that God wants you to be a church planner or, or a missionary or a pastor or weirdos like me. You can just do all of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my dream, matter of fact, it's on my application at the Bible college. I want to plant a church in Idaho. I said that on my application. My dream was to plant a church somewhere and be there all my life because I'd watch I'd watched the benefits of longevity I watched my grandfather in one place. Of course, I saw Pastor Davison. I saw Brother Hardy. I saw the benefits of longevity. So my dream was always like, just go somewhere and be there forever. And so a lot of people think, you know, Brother Hester's got like ADHD. And Brother Hardy told me that. He's like, I just want to just get somewhere a couple years and just want to. That, that, you know, that's not really me. I like to eat the same things. I like, I like routine. I, I, like to do the, I like to be in the same place all the time. That's just my personality. When we planted our church in North Hills Baptist Church, I was 100% convinced I would be there all my life. Convinced. And there was never a time when I was like, this isn't fun, I want to leave. That never happened. I never called, I never pursued, I never looked. This was what I was doing all the days of my life. But you know what the truth is? David, you can say that, you can want that, you can desire that, you can feel wired for that, but, but, and you should plan that way, and you should work that way. You shouldn't be looking all over the place. You should live that way, and that should be your heart. But, but always remember this, if the Lord will. wonder if the Apostle Paul ever got tired of transport. You know, sometimes we're trying to achieve things in life that God already told us we can't. And sometimes, I'm not even talking about my situation, and sometimes we can criticize people for making decisions because of they intended to do this or they desired to do this, and when it fell short, we're, we, we say, well, you know, this should have happened like this. But wait a minute, do we believe that God is God or not? I understand. I understand that there there is bad character. I understand that there are people sometimes that are flaky. I understand that there are people who I get all that. 
But, you know, sometimes we plan for things, we work for things, we strive for things, we, we desire for things. And then, you know what God does? God says, no. Some of you in Bible college, just listen, you just follow God and you prepare and you plan. But understand, understand this. You cannot write out your life. And be careful about being too dogmatic about your future. Because God said your goings are of him. And you can't understand fully what the path is going to look like for you. Okay. And that truth presents two realities. Man, we're moving good. That truth presents two realities. First one is this. That's uncomfortable. You you can plan and you can devise and you can intend and you can go for, but you can never know. It means this, there's no such thing as true security. There's no such thing as absolute safety. There's no such thing as a situation that can't be altered. Do you know what that, do you know what that feels like? Uncomfortable. Abraham. Following the Lord. Step by step by step by step, waiting for a son, getting fairly old, looking at the stars, looking at his wife, going through, looking at, you know, bond servants and all these different things, waiting without any, with, I mean, he had a faith, but he didn't know exactly how this was all going to land. You know what that was for Abraham? Uncomfortable. God gives him the seed. Then, then when it's time, God says, hey, take your son up to the top of the mountain and sacrifice him. No, no, Abraham knows that God's in control. Hebrews tells us he believed God could raise him from the dead. But you know what? Abraham doesn't know how it's all going to work out. Abraham's not sure how this way is all going to pan out. Do you know what? That, I guarantee that, that that walkway with his son was. I guarantee that that walkway was uncomfortable. Can, can I just tell you, what a, when, when I think about ministry and I think about serving God and I think about being a Christian, can I just tell you one word that accompanies that? Uncomfortable. It's there. If you're waiting for the day, you're saying, man, I can't wait to get out of Bible college. I'm gonna, it's going to be settled. I'm going to know what I'm going to do. That day is never going to come. Because, because if you're following the God of this Bible... Or at least if you recognize the God of this Bible, here's what you're going to find. That you can't understand your way. You don't know when this is going to happen or when that's going to happen. And there's always, an, listen, there's always an Isaac or there's always a sacrifice or there's always something around the bend. And you know that God's in control, but you don't know when, you don't know how, you don't know how this thing's all going to work out. And so a large portion of the Christian life experiences the discomfort of not having it all figured out. So, so this truth is uncomfortable. You don't, we do not get the benefit of understanding the way. We do not get the security. We do not get the safety. We do not get that, 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 that tangible thing that we all want as human beings to say, I know my future. I have it all mapped out. 
we have that part which is uncomfortable, but there's, a, there's another side to this because he says this, man's goings are of the Lord. What does that mean? It means that you're, the, the results, circumstances of your life are in decent hands. That was sarcastic. See, see, if you took control of your life, you'd be pretty limited in what you could do with it. You would be pretty limited in the miraculous and the divine and the supernatural and the great things that you could do with your life. You would be very limited with what you could do. But here's the great thing that when we, listen, when we recognize and we yield to God and we allow our goings to be in his hands, now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden we step into the unlimited. Now we step into the supernatural. Now we step into the divine. Now we step into love and grace and a plan of God. And now all of a sudden our ways are in the hands of something. Someone who can do things with our life that we could never imagine. So while there is uncomfortable, this verse also teaches us there's incredible. Because yes, you follow Abraham and man, that's awkward and man, that's uncomfortable and man, that's difficult. But oh, I would have loved to have been there that day when he held Isaac in his hands. I would have loved to have been there that day that, that Sarah, uh, uh, she, she cried and laughed and then la- cried that she had been laughing and then laughed that she had laughed and all the joy and the emotions that she felt as she saw God come through. I'm telling you, the, the, the incredible thing that they saw that day was worth all the discomfort. What about the moment there at the top of the mount as he's getting ready to sacrifice his son and God moves in and the ram is there and he gets to, listen, after taking a step of faith, he gets to let his son free and hug his son and know that in obedience, God has provided a ram. How incredible is that? And when, and when you yield to God and when you follow God, and, and you don't have to go through the plagues, but you allow, and you allow yourself to go through the blessings and the power of God in your life. Yes, it is difficult. Yes, it is uncomfortable. No, you cannot understand your way. But you, listen, your life is in the hands of the Almighty God, and you get to see Isaac born. Amen. That's good. Ministry, here's, listen, here's our life. Can I, can, so what's your big takeaway? Ready? Our life is a mix of the uncomfortable and the incredible. I don't feel old yet. 43, I'm feeling very, very young. Very young. But in almost 20 years, I look back and I look at our ministry and our life and all the stuff. You know what I feel like? Here's what I feel like. It's a mix. It's a mix of what? Well, uncomfortable. Oh, that's kind of a downer. No, because mixed in with the uncomfortable is the incredible. (laughs) You know, it was uncomfortable to leave Idaho and go to a good church, I mean, a really good church and a good life and go to Sri Lanka. But can I tell you something? It's pretty incredible to baptize former Muslims and Hindus in the Indian Ocean. Pretty incredible. When you give your life to God and you follow God, can I tell you what you're signing up for? A mix. A mix of the uncomfortable 
and the incredible. Let me illustrate with a couple of stories. When we, uh, we came back from Sri Lanka, we knew there was a lot going on, but we weren't really sure exactly what the Lord was doing. Matter of fact, even the, my last sermon to the church before I left, I preached a message called I See Trees. And I, I don't know exactly what God's doing fully. And we knew something was going on. And I, I, I remember the day in which I knew that the Lord was shutting the door. I was reading James, and in James he said, that pure religion before God undefiled is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. What, what, what James was saying was this, is that, that God said true Christianity is a heart to help the helpless. Amen. The fatherless and the widow represents the helpless. And, and the Lord clearly spoke to me and said, David, I gave Nathan and Caitlin to you and they are helpless. And it is your job above all of the, of all of the things of Christendom and all of the great serving of God. David, let me tell you what pure Christianity for you right now is this, is to help your, help your kids. Now look, and God sometimes calls us I don't believe that we just do whatever the doctors say. I mean, I feel like even in our life, we've defied a lot of things that we've been told. And God's done crazy, amazing things. So I'm not, but I knew at that time that God was saying to me, I'm allowing you to be in a situation where your kids need you in this manner. And I knew. Can I, can, I, can I tell you the word that would aptly describe that feeling? Uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. So on two ends. One, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? What is that going to look like? On the other end, Pastor Unruh handed me Columbia Bible Baptist Church Train a national, hand it to that national, and we've made all these moves, and he's in all these areas. How's that going to work? Both ends, I'm saying, this is uncomfortable. When we came back, we kind of had a plan of we were going to just finish up some meetings. I preached messages. I preached, I, we see trees. I didn't want to, I just projected what God did. I didn't want to project forward. And I knew we were going to come to Southwest. I think it was in October. I can't remember the date. So we said, okay, we're going to get through this season. And then we're going to meet with Pastor Gas, and we're going to kind of work through it. And that was the plan. I got a phone call from the assistant pastor at Lighthouse Baptist Church in Lemon Grove, who worked with me when I planted the church in San Marcos. I was able to disciple him and, and spend time with him and kind of develop him. Well, the pastor, Pastor Doug Fisher, had had a stroke and multiple seizures, and so he'd been out of the pulpit for, I think, 15 months, 16 months. And so he was being ordained, and he didn't even have his preacher. And so he asked me if I could come and kind of run the ordination service and then preach the ordination service. And so I said, well, you know, my calendar is kind of full. I've already got things going on. But, you know, when are we looking? And, and the, the only Sunday, I had two Sundays, and the second Sunday wasn't going to work, but that first Sunday was going to work. And so I was just like, okay, great. So I went to preach an ordination. That past, listen to this. Pastor Fisher didn't even know that Abraham was asking me to come and preach until after it was all scheduled. I can't tell you all the details, but 
I go and I preach the ordination service. And I preach Sunday morning, I preach Sunday night. And in that service, God got on it in a, in a unique way. In a unique way. And, and I preached and, I, and we laid hands on him and we did all that. And then we went out and the Spanish ministry made us carne asada tacos. So you know God's about to get on it in a great way. <laughs> And I'll never forget, I was sitting there and, and the, the assistant pastor of the Spanish ministry was sitting by me and some of the trustees and we were all just talking and fellowshipping and eating tacos. And I remember this moment, I remember feeling like God's doing something here. Like this is different. Well, what I didn't know that night, Pastor Fisher walked away that night and said in his heart, that's who God wants to be our pastor. Now there's some... Other things I can't get into, but now, okay, now you're going to love this. So, so Pastor Fisher is very different, and I don't recommend applying all of his techniques. He, don't, he wouldn't mind me saying that either. And so, so the church, because he was, he was having strokes and seizures, he was getting ready to resign, and he was going to hand the church over to the Spanish pastor who can preach in English and everything, and he was going to pastor the Spanish and the English at the same time. They have video, Pastor Fisher saying this was going to happen. They'd met with the trustees. It was all approved. So they were just going to present to the church. So now, so now here's the Spanish pastor, uh, who's, who's the, the young man who I ordained. It's his dad. Has the opportunity to take the church and then eventually hand it to his son. That's a pretty cool situation for him. And Pastor Fisher determines he's not going to tell Pastor Torres about what God spoke to him about about me. That's what I mean by unique. And here's what, but here's what he said. He said, Pastor Torres fasts. He's a man that fasts, and God's going to show him. Okay? That night, Pastor Torres left and went and preached down in uh, Tijuana for a huge meeting down there, and he was in the middle of a two-week fast. At the end of his two-week fast... He was down there preaching a meeting in Mexico and the Lord spoke to him and said, he just felt the prompting, not like audibly. He felt the prompting that said, you're not supposed to be the pastor of Lighthouse. So then he's praying, who? And the Lord put, now me and him weren't that close. And the Lord put my name on his heart. He comes back after the fast and sits down with his assistant pastor Brother Gracia and sits down with Brother Gracia and says, Hey, I want to run something by you. Brother Gracia says, Before you do, I need to talk to you. What do you think about Pastor Hetzer being our pastor? There was talk throughout the church among different people about, you know, what do you think about Pastor Hetzer? And there just began to be kind of this, this steam. And so Pastor Torres calls me and says, Hey, do you, do you happen to be available this next week? He's calling me. And I happen to be in L.A. visiting my parents in the one weekend that I set aside to see my parents and my siblings. So I was in L.A. and I had, the next, I had that Monday and Tuesday free. He said, would you come down and meet me in San Diego? And I drove down and met him in San Diego. And he told how the Lord laid it on, laid, laid it on his heart for me, me to become the, the pastor of Lighthouse Baptist Church. A man who was about to have the church... 
be able to pass it to his son without anybody telling him my name in the middle of a fast who barely knows me goes before the church several weeks later, him and Pastor Fisher go before the church and tell the church that they believe I should be the pastor of the church. That's incredible. I come, do the Q&A, you know, all that. Church that had been without a pastor for 17 months, a lot of, you know, difficulties and trials, got a 99% vote. Amazing, incredible. So uncomfortable, but incredible. But that didn't solve Sri Lanka. Because now I've got to go back to Sri Lanka, to a church that I had just taken over, and we had a clear arrangement. I was taking the church not to be the pastor forever, but to hand the church over to Brother Soren, who was going to be the pastor. So in my mind, I wanted that, but in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know that, because I, before I left, I, before I left, I know the church wouldn't have been for that. I know that. So I come back, and I preach, and I tell the church, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, I've already got another plan. Basically, we're going to have to undo everything that we did and start over. Which makes you think like, why did we do this? Sunday morning after the service, I keep members, I mean like solid members. You know, Pastor, Pastor Terry, man, God used him in a great way. I'm talking, this church is like a solid, amazing church. Amazing. And these men who have been, you know, good men for many years are coming to me and they're like, you know, we're, you know they were sad about it, but we're like, but, we, but over these last few months, God's really demonstrated to us, we're ready to move forward as we are. I had like eight or nine guys say that to me and I didn't really get it. So I called all the men into my office at night and every single one of them explained to me that during that period of time I was gone, that God's hand touched Soren in such a way that his preaching, that his leadership, God knit the hearts of the members to him. And, and though while he was young, they were ready to stand by him and support him as their pastor. Now, wait a minute. I went in there. I already had meetings with others. We had a whole different plan. I met Soren and told him he wasn't going to be the pastor. No, I mean, that happened. But man's goings are of the Lord. And the next Sunday, I got to hand the rod to a Sri Lankan who, at the very beginning, Pastor Terry had said, Brother David, you need to hand the rod to this man. And though I thought it was going to be many years later, God did it. Incredible. And just in three months... What is our life? What has our life been like? I'm going to tell you what our life has been. Our life is a mix of the uncomfortable and the incredible. And if you follow God, that's exactly what you'll find. Which means we need four things, and I'm done. Number one, we need attentiveness. You cannot go into coast neutral with following God. 
You cannot just say, I love that about Brother Greg Smith tonight. Greg Smith's been here all these years. Praise God for how God's used him. I mean, I remember being here and just talk about someone who ministered. Talk about a family that just pours themselves into people. You know, someone like Greg Smith could easily do. Just say, this is what I do. This is what I've always done. I'm just going to keep doing it all my days. But there is an attentiveness that we need to the Lord. There's an attentiveness that says, God, I recognize that you could change this. And, and I need to walk with you. And I need to be sensitive to you. And I need a relationship with you so that I'm not deaf and blind to what you might want to do in my life. Two, it means this, we need flexibility. We don't like flexibility, but we need flexibility because God can change our assignment anytime he wants. And we need to be flexible to do this ministry or that ministry or to go this direction or to go that direction. We have to allow the Lord, if his goings are of him and he leads us a certain direction, we need to be flexible with him so that he can work. Thirdly, we should have slowness of speech. I'm going to tell you one of the biggest lessons for me. You know, you hear about a situation or something, I'm like, let me tell you what that is. I got it. But you know what? Wait a minute. Man's going through the Lord. How can a man understand his way? Probably need to be a little, little slow to speak. I don't know exactly what God's doing here. Maybe they're not just lazy. Maybe they don't just have ADHD. Maybe God's doing something. We have to be careful to be, we have to be careful because we think we understand other people's ways. Maybe slow speak. It means we should have obedience. Look, God's going to direct your goings one way or another. I don't know about you, but I want to position myself for the better end of that. I don't want to be on the Pharaoh side. I want to be on the Abraham side. And that just comes by obeying him. Now, God is going to direct your path, but it's either going to come in consequences. The way of the transgressor is hard or it's going to come in blessing. So obey. And then lastly, basically, the result of those things is this awe. I didn't know that was your theme, but that's what I have. A-W-E. Awe. Because the life of the mix of the uncomfortable and the credible, you stand back and you just say, what a mighty God. What a glorious God. And our life is a series of putting altars down to worship the one who did things we could never see. What's your main takeaway, Brother David? My main takeaway is this, is that the Christian life, the ministry life, is a mix of the uncomfortable and the incredible. May God help us to yield to his way. With every head bowed, every eye closed. The invitation's open. We all stand to our feet. The music begins to play. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I pray that... You would help us, Lord, to to rely on you, to be flexible with you, to trust in you, to obey you, to glorify you for the good things that we have in our life. However you've spoken, may we respond. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, the music begins to play. The invitation's open tonight. You respond however the Holy Spirit's spoken to your heart.